Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo, and hello, everybody. Mike here. Yep, it's me. Uh, I am back. I was on a brief hiatus. I'm coming back a little bit sooner than I had expected to, but the reality is I have a really fun episode in store for you guys today. I uh, want to give a quick thanks to the guys that guest hosted for me over the last number of weeks. Uh, I appreciate all the guys DMing me on Instagram or wherever, just saying, can't wait till you're back. And, uh, and here we are, uh, mid-December, we're getting close to Christmas. And I have the opportunity to talk to a gentleman today that... Uh, Personally, I admire a lot in the hobby and what he does. I love that he's a collector, and it's none other than Nat Turner, who is the uh, president and CEO of Collectors of PSA. And y'all know me. I'm a PSA homer, not going to lie. So I'm super excited to have this discussion. And here we go. I'm going to bring Nat on, and we will start talking. Hey, Nat, how are you doing, man? Hey, I enjoyed that intro. <laughs> I was yeah. laughing. <laughs> that really is my dad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You've done hundreds of interviews. This will be, you, you're going to end up saying this was the funnest I've ever had because it's my view. Yeah. Well, I, I, my heart is in the vintage and nineties basketball. Those are my two. And they're, unfortunately they're not, there aren't that many podcasts in nineties basketball. So this is a <laughs> vintage. I'm excited to talk about vintage for sure. I'm going to try to hit on one of your sweet spots, right? Yeah. If, yeah. if we're not talking about that. Um, Again, I want. I feel like I'm I, under a lot of pressure here, Nat. So have patience with me because I feel like I'm representing a lot of the vintage world that gravitates towards PSA as their kind of slab of choice. Let's say um, most collectors are like me. I don't. I don't like a Frankenstein collection. I'm kind of. I want everything to be the same. And although I respect what some other grading companies do, and and it's not a knock on them. It's just more. I made my bed with PSA. 15 years ago and I'm lying in it, you know, and I'm just, and I, and I enjoy the continuity of having PSA flags in my collection. And so I, I feel like there's a lot of guys that are loyal to PSA and we'll talk about PSA later, but the, the reality is I want to talk to you now. And for most of this, just about you, tell me a little bit about your collecting history. And for those that don't know how long you've been doing cards and all that stuff. Yeah, um, I'm a huge collector of cards. Um, I have been for a very long time, um, for as far as my age, you know, most of my life. So I started collecting when I was probably five or six years old. Um, I was, I grew up in Texas, Louisiana, places like that. And the Braves, my dad's from Atlanta. So my Braves are, were his team. And we grew up, I grew up also like overseas. We moved around a lot. And the Braves were the consistent thing for me because you could watch them on TBS. Um, and Hank, 
Yeah. And Hank Aaron was my dad's favorite player. Um, and we sent three baseballs. I have a sister. We sent three baseballs, one for my dad, one for me, one for my sister to Hank Aaron when we were living overseas and Hank Aaron sent all three back signed. I have, I have mine right here. That's awesome. uh, yeah. And then when I was in second grade, my dad gave me these two exact cards. Okay. Recognize these 75 and 76. 76 yep. Um, and, uh, that pretty much got me started in card collecting. Um, so I started collecting baseball cards. Uh, this was like 1992, 93. Um, I kind of lost interest in baseball in 96 only because of, uh, the steroid stuff was, you know, later on, like in, in the late nineties, but then Kobe and so we were in Houston by that point. We won the championship after Jordan retired for a couple of years, right before that um, started picking up basketball. But then in about 2009, 10, I, I started getting really into vintage baseball um, or I'd say back into it a little bit. Um, my dad had a collection, which wasn't so great. You know, the, the bike spoke, cards and the whole thing. Um, but I started buying, um, frankly, just randomly on eBay. I saw like, Oh, PSA seven fifty two tops, Willie Mays. Like these were not in the cards were, you know, one tenth of what they're worth now. Sure. You know? And so, but I was buying just the cards that I liked and that I recognized, uh, you know, from when I was a kid, cause we'd go to card shows and shops and all that. But yeah. So I was a card dealer basically as a, in a high school and middle school. Um, and I never stopped like through college until now, like, you know, I've gone up and, you know, I've really got into collecting LeBron James in 2003, Mickey Mantle. I started going big on in like 2010. Um, you know, I do player collections and then I do sets. So I have a lot of sets I'm doing like in baseball. I'm doing like 59 tops, 54 Bowman, which we talked about before the show, 75 tops and tops mini are my two probably most coveted sets. Uh, I just finished 1915 Cracker Jack, um, you know, a bunch of stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Cracker Jack's no joke. Yeah. It's not That's a very, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I bought a, a complete set, but I, it was unfortunately broken up a little bit. I'm sure I've been trying to buy back the originals. I, I'll, I'll explain it in a minute if you want. It's a super, yeah, go ahead. Just go now. Well, it's a sequentially certain numbered set. So, a guy, um, as I'm sure you know, uh, you, you could get that set as a redemption back then. Right. And uh, in fact, hold on, I have it. Um, okay. Yeah, give me one sec. <laughs> yeah, so back in the day, if you sent in for the redemption, you would be sent back the uh, complete set in this binder. Okay. Uh, if you could see the logo and everything. Again, yeah, that's fantastic. And if you open it up, it's super fragile. It has little pocket squares or pocket, you know, corner pockets for all. And it says manager, third baseman. So anyway, whoever had this set for many years uh, sent it into PSA at one time. And every card was sequentially certain numbered. Um, and most of them pretty low grade, but uh, they're really cool. The, the Instead of like a bright red, they're almost like a maroon, like a purple, um, whatever ink they were using that day. Um, so anyway, I'm basically, but he, he sold, he tried, he upgraded like 10 or 15 of them and unfortunately sold the, the originals. So I'm like slowly trying to buy back the, the originals, um, from, from that submission. 
Um, so are you yeah. hoping they show up on the registry somewhere and somebody yeah, in the registry? Uh, you know, I've got use like use card ladder alerts. Uh, you know, I'm on obviously heritage and memory lane and REA and all the sites. Every time an auction opens, I've actually found two or three of them. Um, so yeah, they're, but the registry is the best place for it. Cause you can go in and just search by the cert number on someone's set. So, so if you lived overseas a lot growing up, you didn't, you didn't get to go to a lot of card shows and stuff growing up did you uh yeah so i lived over there for six years uh for those six years it was nothing and uh when we moved back to louisiana that's when i was uh that's when i started hitting card shows again yeah do you like the card show environment is that a fun place for you like is that a happy place Uh, this the national is my super bowl i love it i've been going for years before psa before collectors um the local shows are hit or miss. Like for me, like what I collect, which is vintage baseball and 90s basketball, those are my two big things. To be honest, you don't see a lot of it, uh, of both of those things where I go, at least in the New York area. You see a lot of ultra modern basketball and football and baseball cards, which I just don't collect. Um, yeah. You know, and so, and that's fine. Like, you know, that's the next generation or whatever. The national, though, like, yeah, like, you know, I'm doing a bunch of sets. Um, you know, it's a, somewhat obnoxious but like most of my sets you know i'm doing in like higher grade like you don't you don't go into a show in westchester county in a in a marriott <laughs> ballroom and find a psa 10 1975 tops card sure um even though they're a couple hundred bucks like you know it's just not something you typically see so but the national you know is certainly a lot um yeah i like this you know I, not every show the i the, the actually the low-end shows i like i bring my meaning like small I, you know, I bring my kids and, you know, they love, you know, cause they collect like Pokemon and like all this stuff that I'll never understand. Um, exactly. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, to me, the show experience has been fundamentally the same for 30 years. Right. I mean, yeah, there's been more bells and whistles added to nationals and things like that. But the reality is the basic show experience is relatively unchanged. And yeah. that's kind of cool that, that, you know, you get, dealer has a table and they got a bunch of cards you look through and see if there's something you like. Um, I can see how the national Wi-Fi, they kind of Wi-Fi that worked and air conditioning. I think we'd be in a better place. (laughs) Right. Good point. Good point. Uh, so you love the national. Do you wish the national would move around a little more or, or do you like the rotation it's currently on in terms of location? I wish it was in Chicago every year, maybe Dallas as well. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Atlantic City. We had one of our affiliates employees get beat up on the boardwalk after oh, one wow. evening. Um, so like we're, we're, that's a, and it, it, it was bound to happen. I mean, it's just not a conducive place to, you know, have a lot of valuable um, cards and, you know, things, you know, in your pocket and well, I don't know, it just didn't feel safe. Um, and it wasn't. Uh, and, you know, I think Chicago, is better. I think they have issues with the convention center. Like I said, with Wi-Fi and air conditioning, that was pretty brutal last year. It was. Um, there, this yeah, this past. Uh, I don't know. I think Cleveland will be fine. I mean, we've been there before. Uh, you know, but I just think it should be more. Cons- in my opinion, I, I have no say in the matter. But I would love, I would love them to pick a great spot and it just, it just happened. I think you know, doing it West Coast is tough because then all the East Coasters. It's hard. Like, I just kind of think you stick to Chicago down to Dallas and just, you know, uh, play nice for everybody. Like AC, like tons of my buddies in the hobby from West Coast didn't go. Yeah. Um, Same here. Yeah. yeah. Same here. They're like, yeah, I'm not. No, thanks. Yeah. You know, uh, 
Dallas would be great for me. That's basically my backyard. So, yeah. and Dallas is more of a mecca for the hobby than I think people realize. Yeah, uh, there's a there's a lot going on here. Well, the Dallas shows are, are solid. Um, like you know the, the have, you, have you been to a Dallas show? Before? I have. Yeah, yeah. Um, for basketball cards, this is a few years ago now, but it was solid for basketball. I mean, like '90s basketball. There's quite a lot of of uh, of dealers there um friends of mine who go but i mean houston would be good i mean dallas is better but i mean houston you got the where i used to have a, a booth at the george r brown center down there um they used to have a good i think it was a tri-star show maybe yeah, tri-star show yeah twice a year they do a tri-star show yeah they only do once a year now in february but yeah i don't think maybe that's not big enough for the national but um it's pretty big but anyway yeah that, that's my opinion on the national yeah i mean it's uh the other shows, like you said, and this is true for me, if I go to a, even a Dallas show, which is a lot of modern, ultra modern, right? I, I'm only really stopping it. Yeah. Booths maybe, you yeah. know, that have vintage and it, it's very easy to see on a table. You look and you're like, yep, not for me, not my yeah. kind of stuff. And you just move on. But uh, I'm excited. I'm going to try to go to Strongsville this year. Oh, cool. Coming next year, which is a all vintage show. Right. And that, I've never been. Yeah. I think that would appeal. I'm, I'm starting to travel more to do shows just because I want to experience all these things. I went to Burbank this year in February, I guess, technically Ontario. Uh, see what they're doing. It's, it was a good show. It was fun. I've been to Chantilly and yeah, nationals and stuff, but um, so vintage baseball, let's get into some vintage baseball because Hank Aaron, your dad's favorite player, which is awesome and not surprising. <laughs> he was pretty amazing. So have you done the Hank Aaron run in honor of your dad kind of thing? I'm trying. Yeah. So I'm doing, uh, again, it's obnoxious, but like, I, I have this thing. I just like, I try and get tens and it's just, it's so freaking expensive and like impossible. But, um, you know, so I, I go down the nines a lot, obviously. So yeah, I, I have a, an Aaron from every year, uh, 54 through 76, um, I'm not doing the like all-star cards yet or like the, the, I mean, I have the, the 76 one and the 10 cause it's one of the first and those aren't, those are pretty achievable, but yeah, I mean, I don't have a 10 at all of them. Obviously uh, I have the rookie, which I'll show you, which is my favorite card in my entire collection. Um, and then my other favorite would probably be the 56 10, which is awesome. Okay. Um, yeah, but then I have, and then I have the, I have the 59 10 and the 75 and a nine, the 75 is a nine. I don't think there's a 10 still, uh, the, the last card, 660, um, yeah. which I actually bought at the Westchester show that I was making fun of a minute ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> but a, a guy who's not a friend of mine walked up to me. Uh, I was asking uh, dealers about 75s, and he came up to me, and he's like, hey, I have this. And it, it, he didn't even have a booth. I just bought it from him on the show floor. Yeah, um, yeah but I, uh, yeah, I have I have one of every card. But it's it's not a I'm, – I'm trying to upgrade them, you know, over time. Oh, but my favorite – my favorite uh, – Aaron, other than the rookies, I have the 75 mini uh, 10. That's nice. a, like, one of my favorite cards. So, yeah. Is there a decade that you kind of gravitate towards 50s, 60s, 70s, kind of in that vintage era? Um, Probably 50s. I mean, I think they're just so damn expensive now. <laughs> like, I can't, I mean, it's, you know, like I'm try I tried to do a 52 set and I gave up. Um, You know, uh, I, you know, I wanted to do eights and nines. It's just, hilarious how hard that is uh yeah. you know unless you buy a set um i think the 50s are just it's so hard to beat the designs every single year 60s to me i love uh 
I would say like one year, uh, like 62, I think is just such a cool design, but like, I'm not a huge fan of like 63, 64, 65, like the designs of them. I mean, like they don't, they don't like speak to me uh, that sure. well. Um, seventies, I think are super cool. I really love 71 and 75. Not really the other, I mean, look, I like them all. I'm just saying the ones that like really stand out to me are the ones I just said. Um, but, uh, 50s like there's pretty much every single year including bowman are just awesome um, yeah to me 53 yeah. was the best year they ever yeah. made cards yeah between the top See, my favorite set in 50s is 54 uh um, okay. yeah love yeah. it yeah um but i love 59 bowman, yeah eh, you know See, I love 54 bowman uh you know i don't know it's just to me like the curse of letter i just it's such a cool design i've opened a few packs um I don't know. I just, I think it's such, I think 59 with the colors, 50, starting in 58 with the, like the color backs, like it's just so color blocks behind, like it's so tough to beat. Um, and I remember reading a story about 59 when someone opened a box, like on an airplane count, uh, uh, what do you call it? Tray table. And yeah. Then, yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So like, for example, here, I just brought this to show you. Here's uh here's a 54 Bowman unopened box. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, nickel packs. I think everybody has one of those. Well, I this mean, was interesting. I, you know, if you want the story, like a, a guy, a friend of mine, I was who knows nothing about cards, knew I collected cards, and he's like, "Hey, I've got this woman who works for me. She says her husband has some cards, um, you know, that he might sell." I'm like, "All right, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, it's nothing." The yeah. guy's really elderly, you know, he's like 85. Um, I get on the phone with him. He doesn't know how to text message or email. He's an awesome guy. He knew how to email, but he was like, I was texting with him. He's like, just call me. And he's like, yeah, you know, I got some boxes. <laughs> and I was like, what boxes do you have? He's like, well, I think I have a 54 Bowman pack, at least a pack. I was like, oh, wow, that's awesome. And then he calls me like a few days later. He's like, actually, it's a whole box. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> and he had it. He bought it at a card show and like, I don't know decades ago and um he was in his, his bank and he had to go get it and anyway he was in lexington kentucky i flew or was that where it was yeah i flew down me grabbed it gave him money flew up to indiana gave it to steve hart to confirm yeah and then went back it basically told him it was great you know everything passed and yeah it was like the coolest thing i've ever seen but um anyway that stuff still is out it's just crazy that that stuff exists right that you can yeah. find that stuff a dude yeah. knows a dude who knows a dude, right? And, and yeah, well, and thank God I, I like took it seriously, you know. Um, right, that's yeah. crazy. Uh, although I found a few of those at Walmart the other day, I was looking for cars. Yeah, there were a few of those lying around. <laughs> I, I passed on them. Um, yeah, that's interesting. So, like, I'm I like 1960 tops for some reason. I just, yeah, uh, I love that, even though it's horizontal and that yep. Yep. Be annoying. Uh, but the 62 it's like like you said they're all good right it's not a question of i i hate any of them no yeah some of them yeah i, I kind of dig i like the 65 actually there's six there's 60 wax nice um i think yaz is on see i'm one of them i don't remember um yeah but yeah, this, it, for sure yeah, yeah yeah that's awesome yeah i i think 62 i just love 62 i have those boxes over there too i just think it's so cool the the design. I don't mind the horizontal nature. I love that about 56. Um, yeah. I just also love how they had a, a front foot, like 54 as well. They had the portrait and then they had an action behind it. Yeah. Um, 
pretty intricate design, like when you think about it. And they got a little lazy, I would argue, in the 60s. Um, no doubt. Yeah. You know, and like the oil paintings, you know, in the 50s, like how do you yeah. beat that? Like 53, you're right on. Like I've seen the Willie Mays oil painting from 53. Like so cool. Um, yeah, that's, that's a yeah. great year. So yeah. when you have an open wax like that, is it any temptation at all to crack it? So yes, but on the on the big stuff, no. Like I would never consider opening these. Um, what I do sometimes open is the I have them over here. I'll bring them if you want. I have a I have a one of my favorite sets on the registry is I have a pack run from fifty one through uh, eighty nine tops. And um, you know when I was upgrading, like if I had a PSA six sixty eight pack, for example, I'd you know have a glass of wine and be like, screw it. <laughs> Let's see what's in there. Um, and, you know, and, and I had, I did buy once 20, 54 Bowman. These are the swile of Bowman, uh, 54 Bowman. I had 20 packs. I think it was, it was a partial box someone found and they graded each pack and I bought all of them. And I opened one day, like one of the crappiest ones. It had like a coffee stain on it. It was like, you know, and, uh, it was awesome. I think, uh, what did, who did we get? We got, um, Campanella. Ah, great card. Yeah. And, um, and like, I got hooked on it, but uh, so anyway, yes. And I've opened some seventies boxes. I've never opened a 69 box or sixties box, um, or fifties, but I only have a couple. Um, but the set I've opened 75 mini three or four of them. I submitted every single card in 75 mini. I got zero tens. So I was like, all right, this is, (laughs) I'm not going (laughs) to open these anymore. And then I opened a 73 box and a 74 box. Same, same thing. No tens. I was like, all right. You know, yeah. Done. Quality control. I mean, that just shows why they're value, you know, why they have so much value. Cause you, yeah. You can open a brand new pack today. That's never seen the light of day since 1973 or whatever. Yeah. You're like, yeah, they're all you miscut. Or, yeah. Uh, I don't actually, I don't mind miscut cards a lot because no, I, yeah. it, that's how it, they made it that way. It's yeah. not like, they, you know, not intentionally necessarily, right. but uh, I can live with, to me, registration is the most important thing on a card. Yeah. If the picture doesn't look right and it's not in focus and no snow and that kind of thing, that's the focus of the card anyway, is the image of the player, right? So yeah. to me, that's where I gravitate. Who doesn't love what I want all my cards to be greatly, all that stuff, right? But at the same time, you go, okay, you get this beautiful card, sharp corners, and it's a little off center, out of the factory, out of the pack that way, I can find myself yeah. living with that sometimes. Um, yeah. Sorry. I get no, 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 I'm with you. I'm totally with you. Yeah. Uh, I don't, centering doesn't bother me as much. Like when I'm pulling cards for me, like 75 mini, like to me, it's color. And, and, you know, I mean, first of all, that set's like the most colorful set out there. Right. Um, and fish eyes on that set are really yeah, bad. Right? I so. pulled a, I pulled a bread. I'll never forget. I thought it was a 10 centering everything. And it had a fish eye to the right of, it was top right corner. And I, I was looking it over. I was like, I thought it was, and this is way before I bought, we bought collectors and PSA and I, I wasn't as astute at, you know, not knowing all the imperfections and spotting them. And I submitted it and got an eight and I was, <laughs> I was devastated, but you know, it was, and I got it reviewed at the national and like they pointed it out. I was like, ah, oh, you know, it was such a bummer. Um, but That's, you know, there are common issues with certain years, right. That, that are, yeah well-known in the hobby and you know you guys don't really i guess i'll ask the question 
is that taken into consideration? We don't curve cards, you know, based on their, like another example with 75 is like the paper was this recycled paper that tops used that year. I'm sure you yep. familiar. And like, you get these little bumps and rises in some of that paper. Right. And yes, that's super common with 75, but you know, the standard of card grading, like that's an imperfection. So, um, you know, but because that's, you know, part of the stock of 75 doesn't mean we're not, we're going to ignore it. Um, if, if yeah. Answers your 51 Bowman wax stains on dang near every card, yep. you know, it's just kind of is what it is. Uh, I actually agree with not bending the standards just because you have a known, let's just call it corporate product defect, right? Yeah. That you don't like, Hey, a card is a 10 or nine or whatever grade, if it meets these standards and if it doesn't, it just, it isn't, you know, period paragraph. So, uh, all right. I got some more hobby questions, some more collecting questions for you. Um, when you before collectors and you were just a, a dude like the rest of us, right. Um, and you would, what made you gravitate towards PSA as, as your grading company? Of yeah. Choice? Yeah. So actually I, I have it here. This was the first card I ever graded. It was yes. Nine five. Yeah. C Francis. C Francis was my uh, favorite rookie in 1999. Hey, he's uh, Houston. Great. There you go. Yeah. Well, and, that, and that's where we were at the time. So Houston Beckett basketball, like Beckett was everything uh, to, yeah. to me as a, as a, cause you know, they're in Dallas and, um, and I still have tons of Beckett cards to be clear. And I, I, I respect them and you know, the brand and Dr. Beckett and everything. Um, you know, for me, uh, actually, it was because of baseball, vintage baseball. When I started buying vintage baseball in 2010, um, I was exposed to the set registry, uh, the PSA set registry. And prior to that, I'd been building this BGS 95 LeBron rookie set. I wanted one of every, and I had some really good, for still great friends who we competed for every BGS 95 LeBron rookie in parallel. And starting in 03 and still even yesterday i was i buy i traded him i bought a psa 10 from him because he doesn't do psa and I, i'm you know helping him get some of my Beckett ones but um yeah 20 years later it's funny um so anyway i started doing the vintage baseball set registry stuff uh and i didn't really think psa knew modern cards i just thought of it as a vintage baseball card grading company just as a basketball mainly basketball collector right up until then um and the set registry really opened my eyes. And then I discovered on there that there are sets for LeBron and Michael Jordan. And But the biggest thing for me, which was like 2015, was, um, which is not an issue with vintage baseball as much, is authenticity. Uh, let's just call them like um, nuances with 90s basketball, which is my arguably probably my most important passion in cards for me. I mean, like if I had, you know, if this room was burning down, I would take the 54 Aaron with me and the vintage baseball first, but you know, just from a value perspective, but you know, I get a huge smile on my face when I open a box of 97 tops Chrome, for example. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's a lot of fake cards in the nineties uh, because the values have risen and starting with the Fleer bankruptcy in, in 2006 or whenever it was so many sheets and all this stuff got out. And again, you have these issues with like 70s baseball and 80s, but, you know, fake serial numbers and all the stuff. And PSA was the company that really 
invested a lot into way before we got here uh, into bringing on the right experts and understanding that often forget grade just is the card real and um, and I got burned on like two or three big cards that weren't in PSA holders that like I spent for me at the time like 10% of my wealth on that you know five minutes later oh it's fake or trimmed or whatever and so and it just look I'm not saying PSA is perfect by any means but it was just a personal situation where I was like, not, not, you know, just that's the whole point of it, you know, is to get it right. And, uh, and, and worst of all, you know, there wasn't a buyback, um, for it. Uh, so I'm, I still have them. They're sitting right over here. Um, so anyway, that's my little sob story. <laughs> so I, I switched to PSA pretty hard in 2015. So well, the landscape in the time I've been doing graded cards, I, I was a, huge opponent of graded car i thought it was silly yeah then i started doing some registries and i started going deeper and, and to get into more expensive cards and i originally my biggest motivation for buying graded cards was the authenticity part of it that aspect and there was a time you remember this here is based on the timeline you've been telling me there was a time when each of the three big grading companies were known for a certain niche right yeah SGC was mainly pre-war people, pre-war, tobacco SGC, work, yeah. right? The the golden age in baseball, 50s, 60s, that was all PSA. Yeah. And then Beckett did everything that came out Rangers of a pack. Right? Right. And Beckett was like the, the big deal Holyfield in the room for a long time in the in the grading, you know, years have passed. And that landscape has transformed, I think, quite a bit. Uh, it's, it's been cool to watch and observe yeah. that. And the reality again, I had, I was so heavily invested into just PSA because that's a higher pops, right? So for me, in the let's say the whenever this was the early 2010s, right? If I wanted a 54 Bowman Roy Campanella, there were just a lot more options available in a PSA slab, period paragraph. And and so one of the most choices, if I went with another grading company, whether it BBG, which I just, I don't know, they're like tanks, right? Um, the slabs, I didn't like them. SGC was fine, but it was like, I didn't, wasn't as consistent. So I couldn't find as many. So that was a huge part of it for me. But that authenticity piece that you're talking about, one of the questions I got from one of my buddies as I was prepping for this, asking some guys that I respect in the vintage world, like, what would you ask him? You know, talking about my interview with you here, my discussion with you. And for almost all of us, it's like the authenticity piece matters a lot. Like, look, numerical grade might be subjective, but it's not subjective. Is it real or not real? I'm with you. Totally with you. Yeah. And so that's a binary thing. You have to get it right. That's right. And I feel like if I buy a PSA slab, I'm getting again is it flawless no of course not nothing is when you have the human element involved but i feel like i'm getting a real card when i buy a psa slab yeah. that it's a true xyz tops card bowman card whatever it might be um so You're i appreciate that what do you yeah what steps do you guys i'm sorry to interrupt you no uh what do you guys do how what is the process as much as you can divulge to me yeah of going Yep, this is a real 52 tops card, like first and foremost at the base level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so much. Uh, and first thing I'll say, you know, we have a grade guarantee. And the biggest 
uh, or I'd say the most black and white aspect of the grade guarantee is authenticity, which means if the card ends up being fake and we graded it, as long as you're not the original submitter, we buy it back at market value. And I think we've spent multiple millions of dollars this year buying cards back um, just this calendar year. And we, you, uh, sorry, you said something there, a, a caveat that I want to not just gloss over. You said as long as you weren't the original submitter. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that rule, but yeah, yeah. If I submit a card, let's say I go buy a raw card at a show. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it looks good, it smells right, you know, all the things. And I submit it and it comes and it, and you grade it. And then I find out later it's fake. I don't get my money. I'm just curious. That's no, no, no. Yeah. Cause you're not a victim, right? You bought, you were the one who submitted the card. Um, okay. I gotcha. Yeah. Cause it's basically trying to exclude those. Cause we had had people who try and, what's the right word, like game the guarantee or like, you know, prior to they would like knowingly submit fake or, you know, cards gotcha. and then, Hey, you know, you need to buy this back. We're like, Hey, well, you're the one who submitted it, you know? Um, <laughs> and so that that's, but it's, it's the victim that, you know, if you, if you bought it on eBay, like, yeah, like you're, you know, you're, you're truly out of that money. It's, it's, you know, that's when it applies, but. And it's already slab. You can't put it under the same. Right. Uh, unless you crack it and then you've yeah. really screwed yourself. Right. So. But by the okay. way, just to be clear, like very few people are the original submitter at this point, you know, these. Sure. So it's like, it does, that doesn't really come in that often, but it's, it sometimes does in the nineties stuff. Cause that stuff's still being discovered, but. Um, well, I threw you off your game there. No, 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 no. I, I remember the question. Yeah. So we have basically experts in all these different categories. So we have a vintage team. We've got a Pokemon team. We've got a nineties basketball team and it's starting more. And it starts with our experts. Like at the end of the day, they're paid uh, to be experts and to get it right. Starting with authenticity, binary, yes or no. And we have a plethora of institutional knowledge, both in their heads, but more importantly, written down where, uh, you know, when a card comes in, we actually do uh, run it through a series of, I would say, like our research team, our grading team, and our V1 team. So three teams are looking at it. And we have raw images of accurate, you know, of real cards that we've confirmed, like golden data set. And on the screen, it has those cards there. So if for whatever reason, someone's not paying attention, whatever, there are alerts that say, hey, look for this, look for that. And we are constantly building that database, that content as we learn, because we see new fakes and, and all that all the time. And we have a whole grading alerts team that is basically keeping up to date with what we're seeing. And it just in case, you know, our human grader doesn't, you know, recognize something, the system's there as a safety net to, to really protect. And one thing that we've launched uh, uh, maybe a month ago now, which is super cool, is actually AI testing for counterfeits. We're not doing it for grading. Um, people have asked me that on Twitter. We're not AI grading cards, uh, you know, set numerically, but we are using AI for is the card real or not? And uh, we back tested it against our cards where we have images of them, which is not forever, unfortunately. It dates back only about two years since we've been taking images of graded cards that we right. grade. And we caught 250 cards that we should have failed but unfortunately passed that are out there in the wild. And we have since deactivated those certain numbers and are hoping that whoever currently owns them contacts us and allows us to buy them back. Uh, first, we'll make sure that the system got it right, of course, because, you know, the system, no software is 100%. But now we have this basically, you know, computer safety net even further. So it's not just content, but it's also a proactive, hey, this card, you know, the system flags. Um, you know, the team logo's off. 
you know, whatever it is, you know, and, uh, and, and that's, that's pretty cool. So yeah, it's, it's pretty complicated. The, like I said, this is the most black and white thing. Like if you can't get authentic authenticity, right. What the hell are you doing? Right. <laughs> so, right. Um, that's, that's where a lot of our uh, attention goes for sure. I, I don't know if I speak for the whole vintage world out there. I'm sure I don't, but my opinion on that is uh, I'm glad to see the mirror, the, especially on the authenticity part. Cause like you said, you got to get that right. The, the marriage of technology and the human element to go, okay, if it passes the smell test for lack of a better word, um, human wise and the AI says, yeah, it's good. What else can you do? I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> You're like, okay, we've done everything we can possibly do. The mechanics of that are interesting to think about how a computer would determine. It could, I mean, it could go down to the pixel, right? I mean, it can go oh, down, yeah. not, not, you know, the printing process, like literally yeah. print dot, print dot by print dot. So it can be a significantly more accurate than a human can probably be. So that's, I actually think that's a welcome I would go, yes, keep doing that. That's yeah, a great. Yeah. And it's not something we want, like people shouldn't even care about that. You know, the point, I mean, like, you know, when they get their card back, all that matters is when they're buying the card or they're submitting a card that it's right. How you get to that answer is our job, frankly, behind the curtain, right? As I joked previously. Yeah. And that's, but that's fine. You know, that's. You yeah. want to know that it's been put through the test. You know, like it's yeah. been like, hey man, this has been we're really sure this is a real card, right? Yeah. And well, again, our grade guarantee, like if we get it wrong, we're buying it back. So right. <laughs> it's cheaper for us to, to do the R and D, you know, and, and get it right the first time. So. Very cool. Uh, yeah. That was a huge thing talking about authenticity um, because yeah. again, as a vintage guy, I bought car, I started with PSA because yeah. I loved it. Now I want to get into the registry because yeah, just like you, the registry is crack cocaine. Okay. Yeah, for me, for, yeah, for, for sure. card dude, for me too. And once I went down that rabbit hole, I enjoyed it on a, on multiple levels. And I guess this is kind of like unwelcome feedback. I don't know, but I I love the obviously the simplicity of the checklist, right? I, okay, you have a checklist, right? The, yeah. As collectors, we're all completionists, and like, okay, I want to do this checklist because I like all the cards in it or whatever. And so then there's so many different thousands and tens of thousands of registries you can do and and the user has an opportunity to create a like hey i want to set with the greatest players from this team in this era and and you guys will do that you know if and the fact that we feel like we, we the collector feel like we have some mm -hmm. say in that i guess is 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 pretty cool do you worry about that you, exclusivity of the registry that makes it so powerful right now in a hobby being usurped down the road by anyone else. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, we, uh, the only the paranoid survive, right? Like we, we, we think about, um, every other grading company, but also ones that don't exist, but not in a vacuum way where it's like, what are they doing? We focus on the collector, um, and what they want first. And look, I'll be honest, the set registry has been underinvested in by us for years, way before we got here too, but even since. And like, it's still like, I, my RCTO is so mad, I'm sure, because like every day I'm like, set registry's down, you know, <laughs> I'm like, you know, oh, can't add my orders to my, my uh, sets, you know, trying, you know, that takes forever. I'm sure you do this, like when you're adding the certain numbers 
you click add, it's like a solid 30 seconds. Like there's stability issues galore in that thing. It's scary to imagine this, but it's still being run off of a server in a closet. Um, <laughs> and so we are rebuilding it. Um, first and foremost, think of it like a house. Like we're starting with the foundation next to it. If we're not going to tear the house down yet, we're building a foundation next door. And then we're going to start from the ground up. You can't renovate a bathroom in a crappy house with bad plumbing and bad everything, right? So we're rebuilding set registry next door. And then we're going to port over the furniture, like right? all the sets and the content uh, once it's on a stable foundation that we that won't crash. And then we're going to do renovations. Like, for example, um, the set registry needs to be much more visual. You know, we get that a lot, you know, with regards to inclusion of images of the cards. Helping people discover sets is really tough. Um, you have to know what you want to collect, really, to go there. It's really only conducive if you're an expert, which isn't great. Um, for example, we get a lot of requests for better value tracking, portfolio tracking. I don't really do this, but a lot of people use it as their like stock market, like Schwab. You know, they load up the set registry inventory and they, what are my cards worth? You know, they want more uh, insight into that. Um, better set creation tools. Like right now, you do set requests. You have to have five matching certs. You have to send it. A wonderful woman named Cassetta Robbins manually creates the sets. She's amazing. That's you know, I feel bad for her. She has a backlog. We actually took the the option to set requests down because she has so many requests. So we have to come up with a more automated way to be like, oh, I want to collect whatever you know, the Larry Bird basic top set, and then if it doesn't exist, it just automatically creates. Now wouldn't have the weighting and the ranks and everything, but um, you know, or the ratings. But I mean, that's something that you in theory could automate. So we've got a lot to build on the site registry. But it's you know, despite all of its issues, it uh, it it continues to grow. We have over ten thousand people every day log in and manage a set, um, which is crazy to think about. Um, the set registry awards at the national. We're awesome. We're going to have it be even better in Cleveland, um, you know, with special pride. Like it's the, see the, the, some of the sets that people have pulled off is pretty cool. Um, that's the best part. Impressive, of it. impressive yeah. is not even a word that. Oh, does it's incredible. Yeah. Like some of the, the, the one that stands out to me was the, uh, the hockey sets uh, from last year. Um, anyway, uh, one, one thing I was going to mention the set registry, that another thing we get asked for a lot Um is the uh, inclusion of uh, other grading companies is something we've you know we've thought about like have you know be able to add SGC which we're we're considering yeah. uh, but you can kind of do that but you know we 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 want it to be a lesser rank you know because we we didn't grade the card but um yeah it's it's just some really cool stuff that we've got planned so. I've. I've long advocated for as much as I love the set registry a universal type set registry yeah. where you know you can do that it i think it have to be done independently of the of the card grading company yeah. Yeah. uh but let me ask you this because i'm a, i'm also a huge autograph guy and hall of fame autographs and i use the registry for that is there any talk about you know i have to switch sides i have to go over to the psa dna yeah, side yeah, right yeah. and it's and it's a little more clunky than the than the psa side it feels like totally yeah and you know, it's like, I, is there a point where that's going to start? They're going to talk to each other better and it'll be a yeah. little more cohesive system. Yeah. We have an issue right now where like the DNA cert numbers are overlapping with PSA cert numbers um, recently. And it's really annoying for, for everyone. Um, 
yeah, I mean, we, we, yes, we have so many things that we have on our list to fix and build. And, and that's unfortunately not number one, two or three set registry is one of those. The online submission center is one of those, which is really cool. I don't know if you saw, we just launched, like you have, you have these example images now when you're choosing what card to submit. Yeah. And then fixing pop reports is actually the number third one, number three one. Um, Cause like search is broken right now. Like if you want to search for vintage, it works, but for like a modern card, you it literally won't even like you search 2012 prism, it'll return like 1997 upper deck. Like it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, so we're, we're fixing, even though those sets exist in the pop. So yeah, we're those, Yes is, is the answer, but not, you know, I wish it could be sooner. We just don't have enough people to fix it, everything at once. So well, this is the next question is totally self-serving. <laughs> I, I submit way more items through PSA DNA for authentication, yeah. grading, all that. And the fact that the I go to the PSA and I'm submitting cards and it's super yeah. easy, right? Boom, boom, boom. I, I still have to fill out a bloody no, form. I know, I know. I know. I know. That, that's probably a top, that's a top 10 thing for us, for sure. Like it's on the list. We're, we're going to get to it. Um, oh, the guy who runs PSA DNA for us, his name is Steve Stent, who's great. Uh, and with Kevin Keaton, our lead authenticator. And, and that is absolutely number one on their list for us, for us, meaning the tech team, product team. And it's just, yeah, again, like we got to fix that registry first. Like I can't take more emails of people. Like I have more people yelling at me for that, for that than I do the PSA DNA, uh, online submission center, you know, fair enough. Uh, so. Fair enough. Yeah. I get you. I mean, you, every company has to prioritize things. There's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's only so much resources, so much time in a day, right. To, to do stuff. But, uh, that's just something near and dear to me. I have a no, little stack yeah. of, uh, yeah. about 80 cards. I'm about to send a I'll tell you, I'm not, I'm not, this is not a, this is, you know, it just needs to be said. A lot of our submitters to PSA DNA actually <laughs> not using this as an excuse again, but like if we introduced the online center, they'd, they'd actually prefer paper. They're, they're so old school. So we did some surveys of some of these folks and they're like, actually the paper's fine. <laughs> they're like, Oh, okay. Uh, but At least make the form where you can fit what you're typing. I know. I know. The so the, the description box is, is too. Yeah. Long. I know. It's like, wait a second. How am I supposed to? Anyway, I've been there too. I know. Yeah. Uh, put that in the suggestion box, right? Yeah. There. Yeah. All right. I'm going to show you two cards and I want to talk about them. Okay. Uh, this is a 1940 play ball Chuck Klein. Yeah. Okay. And a six. And then a 1940 play ball Honus Wagner. Nice. Two. These don't look right. Like this one looks, oh, sorry. The Klein. Yeah, it's mirrored. Nice frosted edge, right? And then I've got my cellophane. Mylar sandwich sandwich bag that the card is in. Yeah, those are called mylar sheets. Yeah, I, I know they are. I'm just, I just teasing. What? Why the difference? And why can't that just? Can you be... hold them hold them up again, real quick. Sure. Side by side. Yeah. So the Klein's the way I think a lot of us the. No, I, I much prefer that. Yeah. Right versus. I was the... just looking at the sizing. So usually we put the sheets on cards that aren't perfectly fit inside the rails, but okay. that the Wagner looks like it does. It um, does. Yeah, so I'm not fully sure. Usually, though, we put them in there for one of two reasons. One, to prevent sliding, again, when yeah. the rails don't fit. And the other reason, if it's really high value and we're worried for some reason of of, uh, of it scratching against the plastic, okay. um, which can happen if the card is not perfectly flat. Um, it's one of those two reasons. But look, I mean, our new holder, we have some really cool holders coming out. That's one, something we've been spending a lot of time on. Thankfully, you don't need software engineers to work on new holders. Um, we've got some really cool holders coming for those, uh, for, 
for like think of them as like um, non two and a half by three and a half cards, like Gaudis, Clay Balls, seventy five minis, all the uh, tobacco cards, uh, pre war stuff, and they're basically leverage a custom insert. Where what we do is we take a picture of the card when it comes in, and by the time the card's finished grading, we've actually three D printed the holder for that the insert, the internal like the outside's the same, the, the dimensions, right. everything, the frosting, but the the inside rails are custom cut to the exact size of that card um that's pretty cool i have a lot of cards to send in for yeah and that's that's, so basically i it was something i pushed hard for is like i i have 75 minis that are in where the rails are like the in the 52 tops holders and they're you know and it's because the card was slightly oversized you know and it can't fit within the mini holder um we have 50 some odd different holders and we basically said screw it we're just going to have a custom print one every time you know instead of keeping thousands of 50 different holders and making the sealer decide which one it's just it's too complicated um so yeah yeah i got a 71 tops yesterday in a with i I like your term rails with the rails for a obviously a a 52 53 right over it's probably because the car was slightly big right and but it just looks aesthetically it's annoying i mean it it doesn't look couldn't agree more i like uniformity like i have uh you know, I have sets around me here that like some the slightly thicker cards, like they're maybe thir- forty point card. Yeah, like I'll have half of them will be in a in a regular th- holder, yeah. and half will be, and it drives me crazy. You know, and I like the same thing. I have the same imagine thing. Imagine the team when I get one of those orders back. You know, like, <laughs> um, and so we have a lot of stuff coming on consistency of holdering um, as well. Like we have computer screens now that show like the sealers you really have to leave it up to them like you don't want them jamming an oversized card into a holder right um right. they have complete discretion currently and that's fine they should but you know with this custom concept the system really should it should be foolproof like there shouldn't be in any inconsistency um like some some sealers are are more conservative than others uh and that is you know like if you had a, I always ask like when did you sub the two different ones like was that the same order no but i use yeah, lighthouse yeah. holders just for just yeah. to at least I was in the right generation of holder, you know. Yeah. Um, no, they're way off. If it wasn't the same order, then two different people sealed it most likely. So right. Um, and that and it, again, it's it, our team is very conservative, generally. Like we don't want we, we prioritize card safety overall, and you know over aesthetics for sure, right? And right. so that's I'm sure that's what it was. But yeah, like I said, we've got some really cool stuff coming there. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. Well, I have two final hobby related questions just to ask you yeah. and then I'll, I'll let you go. The first one is if, if you're, I get so many people, man, I'm just back in the hobby that watch the show or I've, I've been in, you know, obviously pandemic was a huge uh, opportunity for people to join in the hobby. And so many of them ask me, you know, where to start. And I would ask you if you're talking to a, a new collector and let's say they like vintage baseball. Let's say that's their that's their jam. What would you what advice would you give that person? Um, yeah, ignore values and like all the hype stuff. Like start low, like start low grade. Um, you know, collect the set you like. You know, I always tell people like what's your birth year? What's your what's the card you remember, you know, as a kid? Like what's your favorite who's your favorite player? And like try and narrow down to one set. I try and push people down the set collecting route just because I found that to be the most rewarding. Um, I've Although like newer folks, I've been pushing them more on the players too. Just like I have a friend who really loves Jackie Robinson. She's trying to do a PSA two 
But, you know, like, you know, PSA five of a 48 leaf is pretty damn expensive. Right, so, right. you know, she's doing like PSA two through five of, you know, 58 through um, 50. I think she's doing Bowman as well. Um, I'm trying to remember. 48 through 56. Or his yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I know. But I'm trying to remember if she's doing Bowman as well or just tops. I know she's doing the 48 leaf, 49 Bowman. I'm trying to remember if she's doing 50. Yeah. But anyway, so she's doing basically every Jackie card in a two through six. And yeah, I think that's really cool to do Jackie, um, a player set. Cause it's only like 10 or 15 cards. Um, it's a good one. yeah, like that's where I would start is, you know, pick your favorite player, pick your favorite set, start relatively low grade. You get comfortable with it, do the set registry. And, it, you know, if, as you gain more confidence in like spotting pricing, like I always say like download card ladder or VCP or whatever, you, you know, like, don't I mean Beckett's great, PSA magazine's great, but like for the price guide, you really want to use one of the the you know real-time software tools. Um, you know, and as you get more comfortable with like, okay, like not every PSA six is the same. You know, what do you care about? Do you care about centering? You know, like you got to teach about qualifiers. <laughs> like, you know, I had a friend the other day, he's so excited about a PSA nine Gretzky, but it turned out it was a nine OC. I'm like, oh, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, great. You got a six. Congrats. Um, or, you know, so I, I don't know. I think that's where I would probably, you know, tell folks. It's so yeah. funny because the hardest thing is to, what what should I collect? Mike? I don't know. What do you like? Right. And it's, yeah. Don't listen to me. Don't let, you know, just do what you like. I can give you yeah. some advice because there's so much nuance. Like you said, knowing what an OC qualifier is, for example, that that's a nuance that's kind of universal. You need to know what that is. Yeah, yeah. They figure it out. You know, they, they learn by mistakes usually, right? Oh, my. I have plenty of them in my closet right over here. Of, yeah. And you have them behind you, you said. I uh, definitely don't tell people to grade initially. Like, grading to me is like, I like, I would love you to as the head of collectors, but grading is is one more step, you know? Yeah, that's a different level to start. It's like usually if you have a vintage card and it's not graded, there's usually a reason. That's um, right. Yeah. At this point, right? At this point. Yeah, and look, there's plenty, like, you know, I, we saw Ross set earlier this week that was, or uh, last week, 58. I think I posted on Instagram, like, a 58 tops. It was beautiful. But, like, every, no no, no card was higher than maybe a seven, but, like, centered, you know, like, bunch of fives and, like, beautiful. Like, and never seen the light of day in 50 years. Like, you know, so they they, they are out there, but, you know, you're going to get taken. Start start with raw. Oh, sorry, start with graded cards if you're new. Yeah, so, buying buying graded, but don't submit them yourself because right. don't buy raw and submit them until you're much more knowledgeable. Seasoned, yes, for yeah. sure. Um, first, before we get to the last question, I got to see the Aaron, the, the rookie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron rookie. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of my favorite cards is the Aaron rookie. Yeah. It was one of the first big, first big card I bought was a Garrig thirty three Gaudi. Yeah. And then the Aaron rookie was like. Okay. Before one. I show you that, here's the box, 54 tops. Okay, you might as well have one of those, sure. <laughs> uh, unopened, 36 packs, freaking awesome. That's nickel packs too, I think. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think they have the 54 variation on the front. I'm not 100%. I remember, I saw it opened at the National. with, with Okay, before that, here's the Ernie Banks. Oh, and a 10, all right. Yep, Ernie Banks 10, 54 tops. And here's the Aaron 54 tops 10. Oh. Yeah. Gorgeous. And, you know, people like, you know, they're rough cut. And, sure. you know, you, you I posted on Twitter or something. They're like, that's a four, you know, because they see the, like, look at the chipping. 
but right. like you know, and it reminds me of like the OPC with like the freight mm -hmm. like it, there's sure. nothing more beautiful than a rough cut 54 or like a 71 OPC Nolan or or 79 Gretzky with the you know with the frayed edges like it's yeah it, there's nothing more fresh than those if they're straight you know you, you got issues yeah that that would worry you more than the yeah. than the rough edge that so that's cool. a beauty and, and the the great thing I want people to hear as I say this to Nat is I have a PSA three in that card and yeah. I love it yeah and great yeah totally the whole spectrum is finding that balance between what you can afford what you like yeah and all cards are gorgeous and we'd all love tens and that's so cool <laughs> you have one well i'm uh, just so you know like when i bought this card i haven't really ever said this like i spent which is a reckless this is before i uh, was it before i had kids i think i spent half of the money i had on this card okay so like and i was not i just got married like you know that's how like my point is, it's like, I, you know, I wanted it so badly that I was just like, screw it. Like, you know, like I'm, I'm basically all in. Right. And that could have gone badly. Like had I bought a nine, you know, two years ago, it'd be worth half as much. But yeah, I could, could not agree more. Pick the grade you want, have conviction about it. If, you know, if it goes down 90%, it shouldn't matter. Um, you know, it should, it should be, it should, yeah, you should get a smile on your face when you look at it. But yeah, that's, that's the whole point. And I think that that is true. For most vintage guys, they just wanted a nice example of the card of whatever. Doesn't matter. Three, four. Criteria yeah, matters to them, right? Um, last question: What are you most excited about in terms of the future? Hobby's been through this craziness, right? The last few years. What do you? What excites you about the future of the hobby in general? Um. Yeah, I mean, look, I think the hobby's in a in a in a weird place right now. I think the you know you got these issues with like there's well there's two there's like the hobby is really two different things. You have the, the true kind of vintage collectors, like, and there's, I guess the third, which is the modern, like nineties, early two thousands. Then you have these ultra modern. And I think we have a little bit of an issue where the ultra moderns really become more of a gambling speculative, the breakers, the, the, um, you know, prospecting on rookies and like hundred thousand dollars for a Mac Jones, one of one. And, you know, just nothing makes sense anymore on the ultra modern. And, and, you know, we're seeing a forest fire a bit, you know, clearing out some of the potentially necessary bad things. And, and you know, meaning like secondary prices have really come down on these ultra modern cards. And I think it's it's actually an exciting thing in that it's like a forest fire. You know, the, the green shoots or whatever are going to start popping up. And they have been, you know, with set collecting and, and 90s and vintage. And like the real stable foundation of this hobby is basically still there. And it's coming back stronger um, despite all of this, these shenanigans with, you know, overproduction and multiple one of ones and, you know, players signing cards that actually their brother signed them. And like, there's just so much crap that so drives much. me crazy. And I, again, I just don't collect it. And, you know, that's, but look, it's a huge part of our business at PSA. I'm not saying it's people shouldn't collect it. It's just not for me. Um, and, you know, that's fine. Um, but yeah, the exciting part is the, the, how stable the vintage and, and, um, set collecting has really been, I mean, look at some of the prices on like heritage and golden and memory lane and REA and, you know, like full sets, even like people selling full sets. I mean, you're seeing really solid prices. Um, yeah, I tried to get a 33 DeLong Gehrig in the last REA auction. And I mean, I was probably the underbidder and I was just like, yeah. 
I'm, I'm good here. Like yeah. if it goes for more than that. Congrats to the guy who got it or, or girl who got it. You know, uh, it's it's got they're, they're, the good stuff is still selling for good prices. That's I guess what I'm saying. I got blown out of the water on that mantle white num uh, white letters. By the way, um, do you remember the nine that sold? Like, I do. yeah, like I have a mantle white letter in a five. It's awesome so. card. And I paid like three hundred bucks for it, two hundred bucks for it. Yeah. Like, and it's way more now, but it it's freaking awesome card. There's just cards that are that are kind of universal, right? And I think people sticking with those uh, are smart, <laughs> but. But again, don't listen to us. I mean, we're we're giving you some what you want. Yeah, buy what you want. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that, again, I think that if you remove the gambling aspect, I think you you see true collecting. I don't think the gambling thing is true collecting. I think it's what it is. I think it's like a it's it's appealing to the sports betters. And and I'm, again, I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just it's not collecting. It's it's something different. And um, it's fine. You know. But yeah. uh, you know, it's just yeah. Like I'd rather have dinner with a bunch of you know true collectors than a bunch of uh, you know they probably ever even never even seen their cards. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or they certainly don't know who the players are. Or no, I'm sure they do, and they're they're frantically checking box scores. I mean, I say this like you know I bought a bunch of LeBron cards and hope that he had a great career, and so I, you know, I'm I'm somewhat two faced by saying all this, but I I've been turned <laughs> off by the the um, how how much off the deep end it's gone with you know people have lost a lot of money and and you know it's america you make your own decisions right but um you know you can't only blame yourself when you lose 100 grand on a mac jones one of one that you bought but um the fact that that's propagated and pushed you know is is, is not helpful in my opinion so well matt you've been more than generous with your time uh i really appreciate you coming on and just yeah Having a little, having a little fun talking about cards. Thanks for yeah, sharing your stuff and sharing your thoughts. I really appreciate it. Of course, thanks for having me. All right, guys, uh, I'm back, so I'll start. I've got some great episodes lined up, uh, conversations with some some great hobbyists. We'll talk to you guys soon. Merry Christmas, everybody, and keep collecting. <laughs>